This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. We're reading out of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. If we could just stand in reverence to God's authoritative word, it's just a couple of verses. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecy previously made concerning you, that by them you might you may fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered a shipwreck in regard to the faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered over to Satan, so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for this word. I pray that you would make it alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, finding and how God has found us. Uh, he, he got onto the ladder and he left his heavenly realm and he came down to earth to find us. And I believe he sets the example for us to begin to open our eyes and to begin to find people uh, who are lost. Then I talked about what does it mean to be lost? Well, it can be spiritually lost. They have no concept of who Jesus is. And God wants to use you to help people find their way back home. And home is being reunited with our creator, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And so uh, we go out and we go um, find. And and God found us. And now for God, and if you heard me long enough uh, throughout the weeks, that God had to do a dumpster dive to find me. I was in, in the cesspool of life, of selfishness. And so when I think of God coming down to reach humanity, he had to go dumpster diving to find me. And by God's grace, he did find me. And I responded to his love. When I see this hand uh, being pushed through the cesspool of water, and I can see this beautiful grace hand of love, I responded. I talked about how an invite can make an impact. I talked, I talked to you two weeks ago about two friends, uh, Jamie and Holly, who, who saw me at a church and they invited me to the youth group. And that invite had an impact, had an effect that resulted into today. I don't know where I would be. There was another moment I remember that impacted me was my youth pastor. I was living a rebellious life, very selfish life. Um, and then my youth pastor called my dad to see if we can do some plumbing work. And the last thing I want to do is go with my dad to do plumbing work. My dad was the kind of plumber, he couldn't find a part, so he'd take these two buckets filled with pieces, dump them, find the part, and then tell me to put it all back in. And I used to hate that. And so, but uh, I thought we were going to go do a plumbing job, but next thing you know is that he was doing... Uh, a birthday party, surprise birthday party for me. And that really impacted me. Before that, about a week before that, I had this lady come up to me and I had a prayer, a vision over me. And I literally had the audacity to laugh in her face. She said, I see that there's this block of wood, a blo- you're a block of ice and you're encapsulated in it. And uh, God is melting that ice. And I literally said, that is never going to happen, Becky. And I laughed at her and I walked away. That's the kind of person I was. Uh, but I didn't know that Jesus was going to use my youth pastor to do, have a birthday party, invite me into his house, 
and it changed my trajectory. God began to use that to thaw the ice that was around my heart. I was incredibly, incredibly selfish. And so God goes and he goes around and he finds, and we, we just go through the real uh, quick slides. Uh, Jesus finds, he goes to seek and save those who are lost. We know that the Holy Spirit uh, finds, and we know that God uses us to go find people. Then last week we talked about feeding and we talked about hospitality, how this is important. I just want to read a few of the, the quotes right here. Sharing God's gracious hospitality is not without risk. You're risking resources, you're risking your time, you're risking being rejected. You know, all those things are high risk, but God wants us to be risk takers for the kingdom. One of the things that's really kind of subtly uh, falling into our culture, and we have to be careful, is that nobody wants to experience failure. Most of our generation, uh, young, especially younger generation, doesn't want to. And I, I feel the same way. Sometimes as we get older and older, we don't want to experience. So we live this very, very, very safe life. We don't take risks. And it is a risk to invite people into your life. And we talked about time. We may not have time and all those things. I believe God can multiply and and provide for you those things that you think you might be risking. But uh, sharing God's gracious hospitality is not without risk. Uh, there is a danger of seeing hospitality as a means to an end, and that's not what we're playing here. So when I ask you to invite people to church next week, or especially in two weeks for our dinner, it's not so that we can fill the chairs or the pews in here. That is not our motive. We are wanting for God to use us to expand his kingdom. It's not about expanding Mosaic's Sunday morning service. If I wanted to do that, you know what, literally, it would be easy. I could just write free food every week. We'd give away food, and, and people would come for that. But that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying uh, to ask God to use us to be risk takers, uh, to be hospitable to people who are lost. I called my sister, my my sister's daughter, my niece, this morning. And I was concerned how she is doing with the news of her daughter being so sick. So I called her up right before church. And I said, "How are you doing, Whitney?" And she goes, "Oh, we're holding." No, I'm, I'm, she goes, "I'm about to fall apart. Like you're allowed to fall apart, but what I'm concerned about is you falling away from the Lord. I think it's okay to to have a meltdown." But I'm wondering, how, about, how are you doing with Jesus? And she goes, I appreciate you asking. I'm doing well right now. But I know we have a mountain for us to climb. I said, well, we want to be there with you. You remember in Philippians chapter 3, or in Philippians, we talked about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It wasn't about t- changing the circumstances. But it was about understanding that even in, the, in our circumstances, we could find peace and joy. And we can find contentment. And, of course, we pray for healing. But the bigger thing is that we want to have that close relationship with Jesus in the midst of our circumstances. So we pray for those who are in the circumstance right now. And and I'm talking to some of you. I know that you're in it right now. And and I'm praying that God will help you, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let's go to the next slide. The Greeks provided hospitality to get connections, to get a social connection or a political connection, to get an advantage. 
to get a little bit closer to that important person. And that's not why we're doing hospitality. We're doing it because we want to glorify his name, that we want to reconnect people back to our creator, our heavenly father, and to bring back that union that, once, that has been lost due to being sinful and being lost. And so we're not doing it for social reasons, social connections. You know, we're not just trying to reach out the people who are the influencers in the community. Everybody is an imager created in the image of God. Amen? And so uh, the motive for Christ is, is out of desire to please God by showing love toward a fellow imager. Hey, let's fast forward to right now. Fight the good fight. Now, I have to tell you, I have been in a couple of fights in my life. Okay? The first one was in the eighth grade. And I do not remember why I got in a fight, but I do remember getting in a big fight after class, between classes, and I remember the teacher grabbing both of our shirts, and I think he grabbed my, the guy that was fighting by the hair, and he drug us to the principal's office. Anybody else get in a fight in high school or middle school? All right. Yes, yes. I see those hands. All right, my second fight was in high school. Now, this one was a little bit more complicated. It was with my, was my friend Russell Rothenbach. Russell was a six-foot-two good friend, best friend of mine. And he, he turned out not to be a good friend because I would confide in him that I had two girlfriends. All right? And Russell was being not so nice. And little did I know that he was confiding what was going on to this girl, Joy, one of my girlfriends. And he was telling her, and I did not know he was ratting me out. And so I was, I was in the midst, like I didn't know what to do. So um, I decided, you know what? I literally, this is my pre-Christian days. I flipped a coin and I said, okay, I'll, I'll just date. I can't date two girls. Um, so I'll just, I'm going to date Joy. So I went to Ruth and I broke up with Ruth. And then as, uh, the next day, that was on a Sunday at church. You know, that's the right thing to do. Uh, so on Monday, I went to hang out with Joy and there she was waiting for me. This is at Sarasota High School. Tiffany knows what I'm talking about. Um, this long corridor, and she was waiting for me. And I remember seeing Russell behind her, like 20 yards. I'm like, what's Russell doing there? And she broke up with me. And so there I was without a girlfriend for a brief moment. Insecure. I was like, oh no, my life is falling apart. And then next thing you know that Joy and Russell are dating. And I was angry. Some of you heard of my anger stories, but that was, uh, that was the 10th grade. Nothing happened all through the 10th grade, all through the 11th grade, 12th grade, for second quarter, second quarter of the year. And I happened to be walking with my friend Ralph. He hates that name. Uh, and so we were walking down the hallway during class. Somehow we were in the hallway, and here comes Russell. I haven't really talked to him. In two years, and Russell says, he, he calls me a derogatory Hispanic term, all right? And um, as we were walking by each other, and he actually said it to me and my friend Ralph, who's also Cuban, uh, Cuban descent. And I said, I stopped in my tracks, and I'm like, well, Ralph, you want, us to do, you want me to do something about it? Because he really 
said something bad about him. And then Russell said, why don't you do something about it? And I said, yeah, okay. And I'm thinking, this guy is a giant. I better swing first or I'm toast. So I did. I swung first and I got him. I don't know where I got him. I think I got him in the side of the head. And then he got me in a headlock and just clocked me right between the eyes. And then we just wrestled outside the hallway of Stairset High, down the steps, would be very similar to those steps. Down now the parking lot, we were just wrestling. And I remember the Red Cross was there to give blood, you know, to take blood. And I remember all the nurses looking out the window, watching this high school fight. And how the fight ended was we literally just got tired. We just like stopped. And we never talked to each other again. I'm glad to tell you that Russell is bald and heavy and fat right now, so I feel, I don't know, I haven't seen Russell since that time. But why do I tell you that? It's uh, because I want us to fight. Not like that, and I'm glad there's no kids in here to, to emulate Pastor Mario, but I, wanna, I want us to learn how to fight, take risks. And so we're in this, this journey of feeding, finding, feeding, and today's fighting. We have to fight for something. And I would say that we need to fight for people. We'll have to learn how to fight for ourselves. We're going to learn that in a second from First uh, Timothy, but also fight on behalf of people. And the Lord is calling us to be fighters. In First Timothy, this command I entrust you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you might fight the good fight. One of my favorite missionaries growing up, and some of you might know him, is Jim Elliott, who was a missionary to Ecuador, who was um, killed in the middle of doing his mission work. Um, has anybody seen the end of the spear? Yes. My dad saw it, and uh, we, we, my dad's Ecuadorian, so we, we watched that. And he, uh, Jim Elliott would have a famous uh, scripture that he would write uh, when he would, you know, when people were wanting to sign something, he would write. Second Timothy, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the affairs of this life, but rather tries to please his commanding office, meaning that he's in a battle and he doesn't have time to, uh, to get caught up in things that are really not important. So he doesn't have time to engage in things that are important because he was in a battle. He was in a fight. Paul is writing to Timothy, a young a believer, a young person, uh, Paul is older, and he's giving Timothy words of counsel. This is important, what I'm about to tell you, because it's amazing what Paul tells him. He goes, listen, I want to tell you some things. I want to give you some input in your life, not just advice, but I want to bring input in your life that will help you in your trajectory with Jesus. And one of the most fundamental things that Paul wants Timothy to understand, that he must fight the good fight. That he's engaged in a battle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, and that's what Paul is going to reiterate. But against uh, principalities and powers who are up against us, or against him as well. So Paul is saying to Timothy, there's a battle which you must engage in. You can't be neutral. In my story with my fight, Ralph was there the whole time. And you know what I said to Ralph? Where were you? How come you didn't jump in and help me? 
He goes, I just wanted to stay neutral. And I'm like, no, that's not the time to be neutral, all right? I was, in a sense, fighting on your behalf. The anger was from the past, but I was defending your honor uh, today. Uh, but where were you? And he, and unbeknownst to me, my other friend happened to be waiting in the parking lot, Rick, and he didn't help either. They stayed neutral. And let me just tell you something. In this spiritual battle that we're in and people are in, we cannot stay neutral. We must engage in this spiritual battle that Paul talks about here to Timothy. And, and you're, we're going to see that we're in battles with, with one another. We're going to help each other. So Paul is saying something I'd like for us to unpack, uh, five basic things. He says, number one, follow the command I give you. Timothy is being discipled by Paul. Now, in America, we tend to do this like, you know, if I were you, I would do this. Like, that's really good counsel advice. Paul is not saying this, saying that. He said, Timothy, do this. It wasn't a suggestion. It was, you need to do this. So it says, Timothy is a man, he's a man under orders. I command, I entrust in you. Timothy is submitting to authority. So he's not saying to Timothy, hey, I got some advice, you know, sell your Bitcoins right now. Prices are plummeting. Uh, he's not saying that. He just, he's telling them how to live. Paul is giving Timothy a word as an apostle. Paul is an apostle. It's coming from the Lord. And Paul is being emphatic about Timothy. I command this, I, I give you this command. I'm not giving you a suggestion. I'm giving you a command. It's not an idea. It's directions. And Paul uses this other word, I entrust, which means something, there's a sense of value that Paul is saying that I'm giving you. I'm giving you something precious and valuable, and I want you to hold on to it. I want you to heed it. I want you to obey it. I want you to understand it. I'm giving you something that you can, you can trust in, follow the commands that I'm giving you. And all of us have been entrusted with the gospel. Something precious reminds me of a story of, of uh, King David and the Ark of the Covenant that was being carried. And why were they carrying, why was it given specific instructions? Because it was something that was precious. It's something that represented the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant. And in the Bible, it gave specific instructions how to carry it. But Dave thought it, King Dave, King David uh, thought it was a suggestion. And so what does he do? He carries it his own way. Logical. You know, put it on a cart. This thing's heavy for people to carry. Let's get a dolly and put it on the dolly. And you know the story. Uzzah is stricken dead because they didn't take it seriously the commands of the lord how to carry something that is incredibly precious to carry it correctly and paul is telling timothy i'm giving you this command i'm entrusting you with something that is precious the good news of jesus christ and so he tells i entrust you Follow these commands I give you. The second thing Paul says, remember the prophecies I made about you. This is really important for us. I guarantee all of you have probably had something, a person, 
a thought, a scripture that God confirmed in you his love for you, his call in your life. And maybe you felt a special calling that God called you to, you know, to do certain types of ministry. And Paul is trying to remind Timothy, remember, we laid hands on you. Remember, we prophesied over you. Don't forget. And why is he telling him not to forget? It's because Timothy, like all of us, are prone to forget. I sometimes will forget. I remember uh, this one lady, she prayed over me. Uh, of course, Becky prayed over me. And it didn't dawn on me until later on that, you know, what she said was true. And I remember going back to Becky. And, uh, and, I, and we're good friends, Becky Taylor, for having that prophetic word over me. And I, I remember being called into the ministry. But sometimes we forget. Sometimes we want to, you know, as, as, sometimes as missionaries or, or as ministers, we just want to give in. You know, just give up. And we forget that we were called. We, we get overwhelmed by the circumstances or the situation. And Paul is saying to Timothy, hey, don't forget. Don't forget, we laid hands on you. Uh, don't forget, this is something precious we've given to you. Uh, the other thing, too, is that Timothy, I believe, is very much like me and maybe like you. Timothy is not uh, a superman. He's not a spiritual superman. You would think he is. But it's, it's ironic. I find that God uses people like Timothy. They're not everybody's like Paul. Paul is like, you know, strong character, strong person. But Timothy was not. Because all through the letters of Paul to Timothy is like, hey, Timothy, remember to be strong. Hey, Timothy, remember to be courageous. Hey, Timothy, be strong. Hey, Timothy, don't be afraid. And he, Timothy constantly needed this uh, affirmation. And I... I can concur with that. I, I feel that sometimes, that I feel like the Holy Spirit remind me, be strong, be courageous. Don't let fear dictate your life. Don't be directed by your emotions. All these things I feel like the Holy Spirit reminding me because it would be easy for me to be dictated by my emotions. It'd be easy to be dictated by what I see. It'd be easy to forget what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And so the Holy Spirit and God will use people you know, to, to tell me and remind me, Hey, don't forget about those times that we prophesied over you, prayed over you. So I get this impression that Timothy wasn't exactly the strongest person in the world. He needed exhortation. And I would challenge you, if you're not needing exhortation, there's probably somebody in your life that does need exhortation. And that's why I called my niece this morning. I wanted to make sure that she is fine spiritually. And so because we all are in that boat, when we talked about Philippians chapter, uh, and we did Philippians last, this past summer, you know, I'm anticipating that all of us are going to go through a situation that is going to rock our world. And so, you know, a lot of times when I preach a message, it's really about something that might happen in the future. And that's why I encourage all of us, as Christopher is doing right now, take notes, take notes. Put it in your binder, and so that when you're in the middle of it, you can start, oh, yes, yes, yes. This is what the Word of God says. Verses uh, doesn't concern me, so I'm going to just go let it go in one ear and out the other. And then when you're in the middle of a crisis, you're going to base it on memory, and that's going to be tough. Anyway, so let's move on. Paul is saying to Timothy, 
do you remember that occasion? I don't want you to ever forget it. It's solemn. It was powerful. The third thing we read in the scripture is that he says this, hold on to the faith. Hold on to the faith. This is important. What does Paul mean by keeping the faith? Does it mean like I want you to hold on to the doctrines of truth? I want you to hold on to your, uh, you know, the Apostles' Creed. I want you to hold on to your fundamental beliefs. Or is he saying, I want you to keep on believing? I want you to keep on believing. Again, this is a scripture that, you know, I've been prepping for today. But again, that's why I called my niece on the phone. How are you doing today? I want you to keep believing. I want you to keep on trusting. I want you to keep on preserving the faith that Christ has planted in your heart. It's, it's sometimes it's tough. You need people to help. We talk about finding and feeding and fighting. I'm trying to do that through the situation my family is going through. And so hold on to your faith. Sometimes it's tough. And sometimes we need each other. And that's why we have to keep our eyes open. You, you know what? I think the, one of the, the tools of the enemy is be so consumed with your own situation, you don't ever think that anybody else, or, or in the worst case, is you think you're the only one that's going through it. That, the enemy would love for you to think that. You're the only one. You're the only one that has marital struggles. You're the only one that has financial struggles. You're the big loser. No, man, we're all in it together. We live in a fallen world. We need each other. And Paul is saying to Timothy, hold on to that faith. Don't lose the truth. Don't part company with the gospel. You know, how, you know what it would take to part company with the gospel in our church? It would just take a generation of people to stop believing in Jesus. And there are a lot of churches in the community that really don't believe in Jesus. They believe in social justice, social cause, and it's good, it's kind, but they don't really believe in the Bible and they don't believe. Uh, but that's not how it started. How did it get there? They didn't hold on to the faith. They lost hope or something. I, you know, it's complicated, but I believe Paul is telling Timothy, hold on. Don't lose the truth. Don't part company with the gospel. Don't, you know, be aware, don't, don't lose faith that you think you can stand the test that might become you unless you fall. So be careful, don't be prideful. And Paul's saying, remember the elders prayed over you. The fourth thing is maintain a good conscience. Uh, that's one thing I want to challenge all of us is do we, do we make our hearts right before the Lord? Are we, are we um, cold to the Holy Spirit? When's the last time you repented? You know, some people are like, well, I've never done anything wrong. All right? I know a few people like that. Let's say that. But what about the lack of obedience? Like maybe God telling you to do something. And we didn't do what he told us to do. It's not about not just smoking cigarettes or uh, vape. I don't know. It's a new trend apparently. I, I know it's an old trend. about how you treat one another. I mean, does the Lord convict you? Are you ever convicted? That's the question. If you're thinking to yourself, I have not been convicted in a long time. <laughs> it's not because the Holy Spirit is not trying to convict us. It's, we're, we're numb to it. 
So that should be, if you have not ever asked the Lord for forgiveness in a long time, it's because you're numb to it, not that you're living this perfect straight line. A lot of times it's lack of obedience, not in the sense of God's commands. So Paul tells Timothy, make sure you have a good conscience. Because when you have a good conscience, you'll, you'll be able to be used by God. You know, one of the challenges in um, so all of you, the ones that are married, you'll know what I mean. Sometimes it's difficult to, um, to do the Lord's work because of a, a, like a previous spat. Or am I the only one? Okay, good. You know, uh, so what I do before church is I don't even look at Robin. I don't talk to her. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's like we avoid each other before church because sometimes it's it's tense. Um, and I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. All right. So just not today's been a good day. So praise the Lord. Uh, <laughs> it was almost not a good day today, but it was good. I was able to maneuver my way out. Anyway, it's getting a little late, but let's move on. But uh When's the last time you repented? How about repent in front of your family members? Do your kids ever see you get on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry? Really? I mean, how, who's going to model it? And if your, our kids are here in church and they don't see us doing it, who's modeling? I'm, I'm telling you, our children desperately need to see a computer programmer that's what I'm going to call you, Reuben, all right? I'm not sure exactly what you do. But they desperately need to see a computer programmer worship Jesus, get on their knees and pray. They need to see it. A musician, they need to see it. They need to see a professor to do it. They need to see a scientist do it. If we're not showing them, who's going to show them? So that's why we have the kids up here during worship, so they can see. Maybe mom and dad aren't doing it at that time, but... They can see the rest of the family doing it. We have to model in front of them. And Paul says, let's do this in good conscience. We all have to get our hearts ready. Let's move on. Last thing, one of my favorite stories is the shipwreck. Okay, I'm going to say a name, and you just raise your hand if you recognize the name. Uh, let's see, what's his name? Uh, yeah, no, it's not his name. There's... I can't believe I lost his name. I wanted to go on. It's a great story. Shipwreck. There's a story. I'm going to read it here. There's a book called Longitude. Anybody read the book Longitude? All right, good. So if I say it's not true, you won't know it. I just ordered uh, the book, but I read the story. It's about a story about Admiral Cloudsley Shovel. He's the admiral of a British fleet. That was in, It was a convoy of British naval ships making its way back from Gibraltar, southern Spain, to the south coast of England. It was a foggy, cloudy night, and this is before GPSs. There was no navigational chronometer yet, but there was a midshipman who had done his own calculations and he went to the admiral and said, sir, I think we are on the wrong path. Admiral, sir, we are dangerously close to the islands of, I call it skilly, it's probably silly. And the rocks that we, and, and there's some rocks there, we will crash into it unless 
We alter our course. The admiral had the midshipmen hung on the spot because he was being insubordinate. And they called on, they hung him for mutiny. The young man turned out to be right. All the ships went to the bottom of the English Channel. 2,000 lives were lost. So think of this. Somebody came to the admiral and says, hey, you're going the wrong direction. And some of us, if we're not careful, maybe I'm doing that role right now. And I'm telling you, you're going down the wrong direction. And you know what you do as a listener? I'm, okay, we don't hang people. But I'm going to separate my life from yours. And I'm going to put you out of my life. We don't let people speak into our lives. Because it makes us feel bad. Makes us feel insecure. And probably made the, the admiral look stupid. He probably felt stupid. So what do I do with someone who might speak into my life and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Well, we don't hang them. But we do maybe hang them out to dry. Do you have someone that speaks into your life? I tell you what, Sunday morning is not enough. Because we can hide. Our small groups would be a great place to start. Hey, I noticed how you talk to your kids. It's not very nice. It's not very godly. Oh, we can't, can't can't do that. That's like crossing the boundaries. But if not, that happens. And sometimes we see things that other people don't see. So, but what do we do? We don't like to get our feelings hurt. So we leave, put that person, leave them. Hey, we're no longer friends. And then it may be not going to happen in a week or two. And then all of a sudden we, we run into this. And this is, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Sometimes, sometimes, and I can see it. As parents, we do that all the time, don't we? If you don't brush your teeth, your, your teeth are going to be shipwrecked. Right? So brush your teeth. Oh, I don't want to brush my teeth. Well, you're going to brush your teeth. Here's what I find funny, okay? And I don't really mean funny. Uh, and I'm guilty of this, and I've been guilty of this, is that we'll make sure our kids get it. Teeth cleaned, we'll make sure they have clothes, we make sure they're not eating food with GMO and all that stuff. You know, we're not giving them garbage to eat, uh, and you don't even have a choice anymore. I saw the school list for granddaughters. You can't take Cheetos to school anymore. Too bad. Um, we'll do everything. We'll put them in car seats. Not only in car seats, we've got to make sure that, that strap in the back is clicked, right? That anchor. We'll do all that because we want them to be safe and we make sure they do their homework. We make sure they do everything. But at home, mom and dad aren't that good and we don't ever deal with that. You know what that does to kids (laughs) when mom and dad split up or mom and dad aren't under the, the lordship of Christ? A lot worse than cavities, all right? I do find it funny that we'll do everything but the thing that we absolutely desperately need to do. So let's let people speak into our lives. Let's not be that admiral 
that will not allow people to help us to navigate through the life storms. And Paul is saying that, listen, he he says, listen, there's the shipwreck of others. Learn from other people's mistakes then. Let's not hang them out to dry. And it's easy sometimes when you have a different vantage point. As parents, we do. And sometimes grandparents, we have a different vantage point. We realize from our mistakes. You know, sometimes you might, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Why do we say we don't, I wouldn't do that? It's because we're afraid to hurt somebody's feelings versus saying, don't do that. Let's not, let's not play that because I tell you, that's at the end of people who don't listen to the Holy Spirit, people who don't listen to uh, wholesome instructions, people who do not let people speak into their lives. They're untouchable. That's what happens. And this is what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid that to give God the greatest glory. Let's, let's go ahead and pray and, and ask the Lord to help us to help people. So maybe you're, you're fine, but you're going to help somebody to navigate their lives. So we're going to find them. We're going to help feed them spiritually with our time and our energy as well. And then also we're going to fight for them. Speak into their life in God's grace, in God's mercy, with God's love, not with a judgmental spirit. That's the last thing anybody wants to have is advice from a, a judgmental person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, I pray for anyone this morning that might be struggling in their journey with you. Lord, that you would help them to hold on. To persevere. Lord, to, to hang through this, this time of life. And I pray, God, that you would allow us to open our eyes and see people that that might need prayer, might need a friend, a shoulder. Lord, help us to see that. Lord, help us to be open to the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, whether through your Holy Spirit or through people who who are godly and desire for your glory and the best for each of us. So thank you, Father. Lord, I pray, God, that we would never be so proud that we can't hear what you're speaking to us. Lord, I pray, God, that our, our well-being, our spiritual well-being, isn't dependent on everybody just saying nice things, but sometimes the tough thing. Lord, because the, we want to finish strong. We want, it to, we want to make it to the next destination. And, Lord, we want to affect our, our next generation for your glory. Lord, help us, help our marriages, help our friendships, help our church, help our community. Lord, we want to bring you the greatest glory. We say thank you, Father, and we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We are dismissed. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.